0: You're listening to episode 21 of season 13 of the GNU World of Order. This is CLAT2, I'm your host, and this episode is for day 146 of the year 2019. In this episode, I'm gonna talk about some listener feedback and the concept of open. I think I think it's time to talk about that. So let's get started. Paul on Mastodon got in touch with me to tell me I enjoyed your your mention of the zip drive in your latest podcast, though it was not as proprietary as you suggest. The IBM PC version used the parallel port and thus required special software, but the SCSI version on an Amiga and Mac could be used like a regular hard drive and was nearly as fast. I could format a disk in a SCSI iOmega drive, iOmega is the manufacturer of the zip drive, iOmega drive, on my Amiga as fast file system bootable disk, and while Windows couldn't read it, WinUAE can boot from it with the IDE iOmega zip drive. Using it like this means the disk can't be ejected while being used, and inserting a disk and having it recognized after boot would require special software from iOmega, but the fact that it could behave like a regular hard drive without special software makes it a great addition for retro-computing enthusiasts where 100 megabytes is plenty. So I feel like that comment actually has a couple of different things wrapped up inside of it. And, and I, I'm not... I don't know that I'm 100% now that I'm rereading it. I, I, it still sounds pretty proprietary to me. Um, but then I'm also kind of judging it off of open-source stuff. So... A lot of stuff sounds pretty proprietary compared to EXT4, for instance. Um, but his statement is based on what I was trying to remember in my previous episode, and I, I clearly had no idea what I was talking about. Um, and I, was, I, I, I tried to make that clear that I didn't really remember all that well in the episode. But it sounds to me like the thing that I'm remembering is probably because my, I grew up using Mac, and so to me everything seemed really hard to get to work across platforms because no one back in in those days were really interoperable with with Apple products. I should say that the other way around probably Apple products as with as they do today made sure that no one else could use anything that they used. So uh he I, I then i i responded to him with a an, with another question uh and i said uh, cool great to know i couldn't remember the details of them so thanks for the insight so you could put any file system uh, system onto them just like a normal hard drive or tape drive and paul says yeah, that's right i could format a zip disk connected to my amiga as a fast file system that's the amiga proprietary file system But then if I put that disk into an IDE zip drive on a Windows machine, Windows would want to format the disk because it didn't recognize it. So, um, however, if I uh, ignored this and loaded up WinUAE, which he tells me is an Amiga emulator for Windows, and selected the zip disk as an Amiga hard drive, it could read and write it fine within the emulator. Vintage Mac users can do the same, and he links to a very interesting... Blog article from recowec.eu from 2016 called Mac OS images for iOmega ZIP. So really, kind of stumbled upon an interesting retro computer com- computing world that I did not mean to stumble st- stumble into, but it's kind of neat to to know this. This is actually really, really interesting, and this um, this blog that he links to actually provides. Images of a Mac system that I guess he main that of, of his old computers. This this person I don't know if it's Paul or some someone else. I don't think it's yeah, it could be Paul. No, it's it's Tomek. Tomek's blog system 6.0.8 7.0.1 7.1 7.5.5. Kind of kind of interesting actually. Would I would I bother with this myself? No. I'm not really that into retro computing, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it, it's it's somewhat vaguely fascinating, but I'm I'm usually more interested in what it might have been like if it had been open source, or you know, I'm I'm more interested in the forked realities of retro computing than I am in retro computing. It doesn't really hold all that much nostalgia for for me personally because I didn't know a whole lot about computers back then, so. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm not the target for that sort of thing. But it is really great to get insight into it through someone who is interested in it, like Paul, because I, I would I would have known none of this. Icecream95, he's written in before, has gotten back to me through Mastodon as well, and says, It looks like the ZRAM CTL man page should have made it clearer that the block devices it creates are compressed. Chrome OS uses ZRAM as swap, and it gives a pretty good compression ratio, generally around 50% from my testing. So believe those scammers who tell you how to download a RAM stick cheap for free, provided you don't already have the module. ZRAM can be used for more than just swap, it can be used for testing file systems, or LVM in RAM, or as an alternative to TempFS. Did not know that. That's invaluable information. Thank you very much, Mr. Ice Cream 95, or maybe Mr. 95. Comma, ice cream. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's great information. Temp, temp FS is something that I'm quite familiar with. So knowing that I could have a compressed file system in RAM, that is pretty snazzy. I, I use RAM disks fairly often. Not as often as I should. But I, I have used them frequently enough to, to where they are of interest to me. I got another email about the same topic from another listener here in email. Get over to that window. Jim. Jim, this is Jim from uh, Bikes at Work, Inc. So, bikesatwork.com, where he was generating power from a bicycle. But anyway, this has nothing to do with that. This is just an email about ZRAM. This is in response to your question on why use ZRAM on season 13, episode 20 of your podcast. As the Wikipedia article, and he gives a link to that. On ZRAM, points out, ZRAM can be used either for swap or as general purpose RAM. Its most important feature is that it compresses RAM. On small devices like single board computers with a limited amount of RAM and an SD card for storage, this has three benefits. One, RAM is used more efficiently because it can be compressed about three to one. Two, writes to the SD card are done less often, preserving its lifespan. And three, swapping occurs more quickly because it's faster to write to RAM than using disk I.O. To see the performance benefits of ZRAM, see this article from CNX-software and especially the comments. And he gives a link, which I'll put in the show notes, probably. He says, hope you find this information interesting. I certainly did. I I, I only had a hazy conception of ZRAM until your podcast, which led me to seek out more information about it. So, yeah, I mean, like, like Jim here, this is all kind of news to me. This is really, really interesting stuff. Happy to have had the, the new insight into, well, the existence of ZRAM, first of all. For me, I, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, and then secondly, insight into how to actually do something useful with it. I think that's about all the listener feedback that I have, so I'm going to segue without a segue into the next segment, which is concerning the, I guess, definition of the term open. Interesting thing has happened in the past couple of years, and this is, you know, in the past couple of years, like two or three, maybe five at the most, couple of years. The The very idea that open source is is the central driver of technology has actually come into into common into common awareness. I mean, you and me, we may have known that open source was kind of important quite some time ago. Maybe not. Maybe you're new to the game as well. And on this very show, I remember bemoaning at one point, at at some point long ago, that 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 open source was 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 not guaranteed to continue there were big companies out there that wanted open source or rather wanted to ensure that open source would fail and that any major open source project or product would any effort made by those would could be foiled and made ineffectual i mean it's it's a thing that was happening just just 5 years ago and nowadays, I don't think anyone would say that. I mean, you can still say that about places like Adobe or Oracle. And yet, even Adobe has an open-source text editor out there in the game. They have open-source fonts out there. Even Oracle maintains, I think probably begrudgingly, but maintains the open-source Java framework now. So even those companies have have major initiatives around open-source. Now granted even the big one microsoft had people would tell you long ago oh they've always had open source that microsoft has always been an open source company and so on but i think it, there's there's an argument there and and i think that one of the things that has made open source the uh, made it common awareness that open source is a driver of technology has been microsoft's loud proclamation that they love open source I mean I hate to say that I because it's so it's so obviously what they wanted right I mean that was exactly what their marketing team wanted me to say not specifically I don't think they targeted me specifically not quite that paranoid but but that is what they want everyone to, to think right that Microsoft has has blessed open source and so now open source is legitimate and in a sense I guess that is true because Without Microsoft harassing open source projects, open source will have a much easier time at just doing what they do best, which is write open source software and publishing it for others to use. But in this open source hysteria, I feel like there's been a kind of a kind of adoption of this concept of, quote, open. And it's starting to make its way throughout a lot of other... Industries, I don't know that this is a new thing. I just think that it's something that has become a little bit louder now that open source is an it's an accepted and, and common knowledge kind of concept. so now everyone seems to be on this bandwagon of of open right We do everything openly we do things in the spirit of openness we We are open in how we make these policies and all of these other things that are, quote, open. It really seems like the word open is kind of the new buzzword. Now, granted, this has been a buzzword for a while now, but I'm just, maybe I'm becoming hyper-aware of it because of maybe industries that I'm, or, or rather companies that I'm working with now use it more often than maybe they did... In other industries that I've worked, I don't know. Um, it's just so specifically, I'm in the computer industry now, and I used to be in the film industry. And the film industry didn't really need to say open all that much. I mean, they did actually say it, but they said it legitimately. Legitimately, like if if you encountered a library that that called itself an open library or something, then then it really was open source, and they were specifically talking about open source libraries. But in, in the computer world, it strikes me that, that the world open is less, strangely, sometimes less of a technical term and more of sort of this weird kind of, um, I don't know, a, sort of a spiritual thing or a um, sort of a in the spirit of openness. It's, it's a, an emotional term for some reason. And that kind of concerns me because in open source software, the term open actually does have a very specific meaning and I'm going to I'm going to review that meaning now because I think it's worth reviewing there there's a 10 point document in on on opensource.org/osd which is the open source definition it was derived from the debian free software guidelines that is the dfsg it's ten points. I'm not going to read every word uh, of, of all of the paragraphs under each point because they, they can get a bit long, but I'm gonna, I want to overview it together just so we, we're on the same page. So, one, free distribution. The license shall not restrict any party from selling or giving away the software as a component of an aggregate software distribution containing programs for several different sources. The license shall not require a royalty or fee for such sale. Okay, that's, that's top number one, free redistribution of open source. Two, source code. The program must include source code and must allow distribution in source code as well as compiled form. There's a little bit more about what that means, but I'm not gonna, I'm skipping over that. Three, derived works. The license must allow modifications and derived works and must allow them to be distributed under the same terms as the license of the original software. 4. Integrity of the author's source code. The license may restrict source code from being, re- from being distributed in modified form only if the license allows distribution of patch files with the source code for the purpose of modifying the program at build time. So that's an interesting sort of loophole. It's where you can say, well, actually, you, you could say you can't redistribute this source code as is, However, if you, you can redistribute patches that, then pe- that people could then bring to the table, g- grab the source code from me, apply your patch files to it, and end up with essentially a different piece of software. That's fine. So that's, that's an interesting and, and kind of intriguing loophole. Five, no discrimination against persons or groups. This kind of speaks for itself six no discrimination against fields of endeavor so you can't say for instance oh you can't use this software in business or for genetic research or whatever it, it, there, it has to be a blank blank check you can do whatever you want to with this software seven distribution of license the rights attached to the program must apply to everyone who, to whom the program is redistributed so for instance if the program if the source code makes it it makes its way to you then you still have all the rights of 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 everyone in the line before it came to you. 8. License must not be specific to a product. The rights attached to a program must not depend on the programs being part of a particular software distribution. 9. License must not restrict other software. The license must not place restrictions on other software that is distributed alongside uh, the licensed software. For example, license must not insist that all other programs distributed on the same medium must be open-source software. So it's kind of have to, it has to be independent, sort of. Uh, and then ten, license must be technology neutral. No provisions of the license must uh, may be predicated on any individual technology or style of interface. That is the open source definition, as proposed or as maintained, I guess, by opensource.org, which is the Open Source Initiative. This is different than the free software definition. So the free software def- definition is a lot shorter. It says that there are four essential freedoms. Zero, the freedom to run the program as you wish for any purpose. One, the freedom to study how the program works and change it if you want to. So the source code is a precondition for that. Three, or two rather, the freedom to redistribute copies so you can help others. And then three, the freedom to distribute copies of your modified versions of others by doing so, this can give the whole community a chance to benefit from your changes. Access to the source code is a precondition for that. So, there's a lot of overlap, obviously, but but it is different. There's a lot more um, a lot more detail, I think, in the open source definition. But the thing to take away from from either of those is that there is a very there there's a very specific expectation along with 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 software development. With free and open source software development, there there are, there are things, there are definitive requirements that we can put down and say, well, in order to call yourself open source, or in order to call yourself free software, these are the conditions that must be met. Whereas the term open can sort of—it's just a word. It's a it's a cool word. It's a word that people like. It seems it seems inviting it is it that's it's it's, it's, it's almost hardwired if, if you're a native speaker it's hardwired or or it's it's at least softwired into the language itself to be inviting and so if you say that you do you you make you make decisions openly then there is a certain expectation if you're saying this around open-source software, sort of a, an ecosystem of open-source software, then then if you say, I'm making a decision openly, then people are going to naturally equate that that term that you've just used to open-source. Or if you say, well, we're designing this thing openly, then there's the association that, well, it's open, so... In the context of open source software, we, we have a, we have an understanding of what open means. But I get the feeling that a lot of places are using the word open more as a, an emotional term, meaning that we are doing this project and we feel an affinity to open source software. So it's sort of a, it's almost a cottage industry to open source software, this kind of, quote, open process. I think there's a little bit of a danger there, because just the word open doesn't really require any source code at all, right? Now, understand this is only a problem when applied to this domain, right? So if, if you say, if you go out to to the hardware store and you turn to your your partner and you say i want to make the decision of which hammer we purchase openly and i'm inviting you to comment on which hammer we purchase and that there's no expectation there right that 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 word is exactly what it sounds like it's it's communication between two people occurring over something outside of any kind of open source process but when you bring that word into the open source realm now when you're using it there is a pre-definition there's a namespace collision you say i want to do this in the spirit of open i want to do this openly well to to anyone dealing in open source software that means very specific things it means okay well cool i i i want access to your quote-unquote source code whatever form that might be whether it's a flowchart of your decision process or whether it's your design files or whatever you've done openly i I want access to that and I want to be able to change it and modify it or that's the same thing change it and and redistribute it or or push my changes back to you for consideration or whatever. It doesn't it doesn't pre predis- it doesn't presuppose that that part of this process is the assurance that open source software is going to be used. It doesn't it doesn't insist that that redistribution is permit- permitted. It doesn't insist that a certain licensing scheme is applied. It's, it's just a word that I think people are very frequently now using to, to align themselves with open source without actually holding themselves to any kind of requirement satisfaction and that's i mean partly because for a lot of things there is no requirement that there, there's no requirement for for quote unquote being open that's there's no set of specifications that you must meet to be open because that's a it's a just a, an english word that means not closed that doesn't really mean anything and so it it becomes frustrating for an open source software person to have these these things that are open apparently or that are that that want to work openly or that support open projects or open processes it's very frustrating to to have those kind of thrown your way and to have no sense of how how we how we define open and how we how we have designated this thing to be open as opposed to closed I mean it is really really puzzling when a when a website states that it is that it has an open development model and you find that all that means is that they have a really robust API so that developers can structure their applications to be dependent upon an API but there there's not really any no real measure of of open data or open process it's just that they that they support people who develop programs and if you're doing open source programs cool you're you're included in that in that group So, when I see the word open these days, I get very very skeptical because I want to kind of see what exactly what 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 part is actually open in this process. And a good judgment of that, I think, is how compatible is the thing that you are looking at with whatever it is you are doing. And I've come to st- I I've come to really really start to to look at projects differently, ever since I kind of discovered this magical concept of the, um, I guess what's being called the federation, but also what sometimes get ban- the the term that I hear is fediverse as opposed to universe or multiverse, fediverse. Um, and and in short, to sum it up, it's it's Mastodon. And before Mastodon, it was GNU so- social. And before that, I think it was Identica. I think that was I think that was the I think there was one more in there that I'm forgetting. But but if you don't know these these ideas these this model is that someone builds a software that runs in this case online and then they distribute that software so that other people can download the thing put it on their own server and then talk to other instances of the same software and in that way you become a federation of lots of unique instances of the same of essentially the same thing and there are variations on how same they are but they're all using the same protocols and they all talk the same language and so and, and they're all programmed to talk to each other and so you can sign up for instance just st- sticking with Mastodon since it's the kind of it's it's basically the one that sort of got me to understand this concept you could sign up for mastodon.social for instance and you'll be micro-blogging, or whatever we call it now, like the best of them. And someone over on mastodon.xyz can see your little micro-blogs, and they can follow your account, and they can chat with you, and talk to you, and direct message you, and so on. But you're on separate servers. And someone over on, I don't know, uh, Mastodon um, something else. Can can come in and follow both of you, and now you've got three different servers in the mix, and and you, it just keeps going like that. But the important thing is that they're each they're they're each one of them different instances. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because you have this robustness, and if if Mastodon is something that you depend upon, personally, you want Mastodon to be around then you can download Mastodon, you can learn to install it onto a server and run it, and you, you can have your own private Mastodon server, and it will run just the same as every other Mastodon server, it will do the same thing, it will interact with all the other Mastodon servers, and you are now one of the instances in this multi-node network of, of a diverse yet coherent and cohesive application and the reason that's important is because when we say we want to do something openly I think part of the the requirement there really ought to be okay well if, if we're doing this openly and by open we mean like open source software then any person who wants to be involved in the process, whatever the process is should be able to duplicate the process. And that's super, super significant. Because if you have a process that you're calling an open process, or an open framework, or an open whatever, and you're the only keeper of that thing, then it's no longer open. Now, there is kind of an analogy for this outside of open source software, and that is the Creative Commons license. And the Creative Commons license is interesting because it's got a lot of different sub, sub uh, sp- specifications, I guess. You know, the, 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 there's the Creative Commons concept of this, this work is shareable but you have all these restrictions that you can place or, or release from your, your inherent copyright. So you could say, well, this is Creative Commons, but you can't resell it. You can share it, but you cannot resell it. Or, this is Creative Commons, but you cannot modify it. You can Do whatever you want to, but it always has to stay exactly the same, and so on. So, Creative Commons, I think, notably, they do not use the word open. I think that's, that's kind of interesting to note. But instead, they say that this is a Creative Commons work, and they have a set of requirements that you can meet in order to comply with the Creative Commons license. And and part of that license is the distribution. Like, that's the one thing within Creative Commons, I think, that no, no license, really... no No condition that you can put on a Creative Commons license takes that part away. It is redistributable. And with artwork a lot of times that's that's as quote unquote open as you really need to be, right? Is hey, you are allowed to grab my artwork and redistribute it to wherever you want. Now whether you can make money off of that venture or not, that's in the small text. That's in the fine print. You'll have to you'll have to look at the license to see if I allow that. And heck, the open game license from Dungeons & Dragons, that's uh, that's another one, where they are using the word open, but they do have a set of requirements and a clause, one E, in there telling you exactly what's not redistributable. But the distribution is the key. The replication of that system is key. And so if people are outside of open source software where there are very strict, clear definitions of what exactly that means people around that industry are saying, well, we're open. But they're not allowing you to replicate their system. Whether it's, hey, we're an open design firm, but you can't use any of our content because it's all in Photoshop files and you use something else. Or, hey, we're an open open process, but everything that we're making decisions about is well away from you and you can... You can comment on our decisions. Doesn't mean we'll listen to them, because, you, or or rather, we'll tell you that we listen to them, but you won't know whether we're listening to them because, again, the actual process part of our decision-making is not accessible to you. Whatever it might be, if they're an open company with a, a great API, but you can never see what's behind that API, then I think you're probably not dealing with anything open. And that's really, really important, especially in this in this day and age where open source is the hot thing. It, it's the thing, and it's the thing that traditionally you and I, dear listener, have always trusted, right? That's the thing that nobody claimed to be. That was something that crazy people claimed to be because it's open source. You can't make any money off of open source. It's a horrible thing to do. Why would you call yourself open source if you're not open source? Well, now everyone's calling themselves open And it's really difficult to tell the open from the open. So look at those things that call themselves open. And instead of falling back onto your normal, inherent trust of the word open, look at them very, very, very carefully and see how easily you can make a clone of whatever it is they're doing. And if you cannot make a clone of it, Be very hesitant to throw too much energy into that thing because quite possibly it is not open. And that might not be because of malicious intent. It might be simply because it's a one-person thing and they haven't gotten around to posting all the parts and components that they require or or that you, you would require to replicate what they're doing in a public place and that's understandable i'm guilty of this myself frankly and that that's not a that's simply saying that they they may intend to be open but maybe they just haven't got the manpower yet to reverse engineer what they themselves have done to get to the point where they are right now but that should still be a flag if it's my stuff included that should be a flag that 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 project can't 100% 100% be trusted, because it could go away tomorrow. And then where are you going to be? You don't have a clone of it. It could be as open as anybody wants it to be, but if it doesn't have a backup, then it's it, it could end up being useless in the near future. The word open is a tricky one, and we need to be very, very careful in how we interpret it, and we need to be very, very intentional in how we decide upon whether something is actually open or not. Now, this has nothing to do with that discussion, but I want to reference an article on FSF, or rather on GNU.org, which is gnu.org slash philosophy slash open source misses, or rather I think it's why open source misses the point. GNU.org/philosophy/open-source-misses-the-point.html. It's an interesting read. I don't know that I agree with everything in it, but it is definitely something worth reading because it will make you think a lot about what open source means to you. So, suppose this is from the article. Uh, well, not yet. So the article sets up this this situation, this imaginary scenario, where let's say that there's a piece of proprietary software and it is given out to, um, to people at a conference or something, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of imagining some things here, but yeah, let's say there's, there's some closed source software and it's being given out for free for zero dollars. Now, a pure open source enthusiast one that is not at all influenced by the ideals of free software, of of libre software, will say, I am surprised you were able to make this program work so well without using our development model that is open source. But you did. How can I get a copy? The free software activist will say, Your program is very attractive, but I value my freedom more. So I reject your program. I will get my work done some other way, and support a project to develop a free replacement. So the the one, the open source one, rewards schemes that take away our freedom, leading to loss of freedom. Whereas the other, if we value our freedom, we can act to maintain and defend it. And I think that's a really, really salient point that this article makes. I think there's I think the 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 biggest tragedy of of all of all of this is that the term free software just doesn't connect with 90% of the people out there. Like if you say free software, then they automatically obviously think that it's $0 software. And why wouldn't they? That's most of our experience early on with open source or free software is that, hey, I got it for free. Cool. I'll use it and it's not till much much later that you learn to actually appreciate the, the free part the libre part the part that guarantees those freedoms the open source is just such a uh, it's such a, a a better term than free software it really is but open source yeah that got it open source they've got the 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 term they've got the one that's that's got the recognition but it's important never to lose sight of the fact that open source isn't just about being open. Because you can be open all you want, but if you're not compatible with the lowest common denominator, then you're being exclusive. And I don't think exclusive and open are terms that most people would associate with one another. And so when people are saying, oh, we're open, we're doing this in the spirit of openness, whatever, that may be how they feel, and there may be no specifications allowing us to define what that means, but if it doesn't mean that you can replicate the process, or replicate the system that they're talking about, then it's not open. And if it excludes people from being able to, to do what they are doing, then it's not open. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I I like to use what works. If open source works better, then I use it. But if something else works better, then I'll use it. And that, to me, is saying, well, I'm okay with being exclusive, if that's what's more convenient to me. I don't think that's right at all. I think the, the liberation of digital technology is the most important thing. And someone or some entity that aligns itself with the liberation of of digital freedom is doing anyone any favors unless they themselves actually support and practice digital freedom. So be careful out there. There's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of marketing, and not all of it boils down to inclusive, true digital freedom. And it's important to keep in mind what does. I think that's all I've got to say on that subject. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time. World Order Ogcast. This has been Clatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the free node network usually in channels such as AugCast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Clatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Clatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's clatu at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and SlackerMedia.info. I will see you next time. Meeting of all station personnel, volunteer workers were thoroughly briefed.